John chapter 4. And we're doing our spiritual disciplines um, series. And tonight I'm going to look at, uh, tonight maybe and next week as well, I want to talk about praise and worship. And uh, praise and worship is actually a vital part of our relationship with God. And um, I remember years ago when we were in the first Pentecostal church I was in, was in uh, Kilkenny City, Pastor Danny. And uh, I was always into the word, as you can tell. And I was everything, the word, the word, the word. It has to be the word. And, you know, we only like the word. And uh, there were some of the other guys, and they were all into worship. And it was all about worship, and they get into the worship. And we used to have this debate all the time, which is more important, the praise and worship or the word. And um, I would have always said the word, and the guys would have always said the praise and worship. But uh, so we tackled Pastor Danny one day, and we said to him, you need to sort this out. Which is more important, the praise and worship and the wor- or the word? And he says they're both equally important. Because uh, during the praise and worship, we get an opportunity to praise and to worship and magnify God. We get to express ourselves to God. But during the word, he gets to express himself to us and he's able to speak to us. So they're both um, equally important. But there's other aspects of praise and worship too that people are not aware of. It's that praise and worship has actually carries a lot of power. And uh, we're going to look at some of these things tonight, and we're going to see the power, actually, of praise and worship just a little bit later. But I want you to look, firstly, in John chapter 4, and there's too many verses in some of these to read them all, but we look at some verses here. But this is the story of this um, um, Samaritan woman, and Jesus um, went down to Samaria, and as he was going down there, he met this woman at the well. And this woman at the well was a woman of um, ill repute, shall we say. And she was out in the heat of the day, she was at the well, and she had an encounter with Jesus. And she started to ask Jesus, um, where was the right place to worship? And you know, that's one of the, the big mistakes people make today, is to want to know where we're supposed to worship. And God doesn't really care about where we worship. God is more, in, uh, more interested in how we worship. And this is what he shares here. Look with me in John chapter 4 and verse um, 23. Well, look, we'll read verse 22 first. He says, you worship, you know not what. See, she was concerned about where she was worshipping. And Jesus says, you don't even realize who you're worshipping. You're worshipping, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So he talks here about worshipping God in spirit and in truth. So it's not about a, um, a location. It's about an attitude. We worship God in spirit and in truth. And then he says, For the Father seeketh such to worship him. The Father seeketh such. And the scripture here tells us that God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking worship. And what people don't understand sometimes is there's a, a tremendous intimacy when we get into worship. And you know, we find sometimes with people and they don't understand worship and maybe they sit down or maybe they come in when it's over or whatever and, and their, their, their motivation being, I don't want to come to the praise and worship because it's, it's just singing. But if you think that praise and worship is just singing, you've completely missed it. Praise and worship is not just singing. Praise and worship is entering into the presence of God. In actual fact, and um, we'll look at this a little bit later, but in Psalm 22 and verse 3, the scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. Or one of the translations says God is enthroned on the praises of his people. In other words, when we begin to praise him, that what we're doing is we're creating a throne for God. We're creating an atmosphere where God comes down. Amen. And so praise and worship is not just singing. Don't ever um, just put it down to that. 
that you know we're just going to come and we're just going to sing for a while and then we get on to the good part after amen <laughs> hallelujah uh, psalm 100 look with me in psalm 100 Psalm 100. Just going to read the first few verses here. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. You know, the scripture says that we're supposed to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we look at people, and people are tremendous... um, Musicians got a tremendous talent, got tremendous voices, and I wasn't gifted with any of those. But you know what? I'm able to make a joyful noise. And even if you can't make a, noif- a joyful noise, maybe you could make a, a noise joyfully. <laughs> make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 2 Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. You see, it tells us here that, w- that we're coming before his presence, doesn't it? When we sing, we're coming before his presence with singing. In other words, when we start to sing, the presence of God shows up. Verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. And then it tells us in verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. And you know, there's so much even contained in those verses there, but it tells us here that we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And so when we come, we should come with thankful hearts, come into his courts with praise. And then the scripture says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Look with me in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. God is seeking worship. And... uh, He's seeking worshippers, people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's something that we need to cultivate and develop in our lives, an attitude of of thankfulness and worship to God. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 2 here in verse 9, Scripture says here, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a chosen generation. You know, God uh, has chosen us, handpicked, by God. The scripture says, many are called, but few are chosen. And we're here tonight because we have been chosen. And there's so many people who have been called, but they didn't choose to pick up on it per se. Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Turn to somebody beside you and say, boy, you're peculiar. (laughs) A peculiar people. Some of us are more peculiar than others, aren't we? Don't nobody say amen to that. Uh, peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And you know, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And then he tells us why, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And you know, there was a time when we sat in darkness. There was a time when we didn't know God. There was a time when we were lost and without hope and without God in the world. And we wandered aimlessly and we didn't know where we were going. One of the things, one of the verses that I love is um, in Psalm 40. David said that about God, that he lifted him out of a miry pit. Or lifted him out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet upon a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my 
mouth, even a hymn of praise unto our God. How many of you are glad that you're saved? When you look out at the world, when you see what's going on in the world, and you see the chaos, and you see the destruction, and you see some of the things that are, are coming down the road, and you know, I'm glad that I'm saved, but there was a time when we sat in darkness, but now we're called into his marvelous light, and the scripture says that we're supposed to praise him, who called us out of darkness, amen. Hallelujah. Look with me, um, actually I'll leave that one for a moment, look with me actually in Isaiah 61. No, leave that one as well, Isaiah 61. Look with me in Ephesians 5. I'll come back to those ones in a minute. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Look with me here in verse 19. Scripture says here in verse 19, it says, Speaking to yourselves. Many of you speak to yourselves. Don't put your hands up. Don't admit to that. Now the Bible says here we're supposed to speak to ourselves. In psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture here says that we are supposed to give thanks unto God for all things. Everything that we have we should be giving thanks for it. And you know, a lot of times we're not thankful enough for some of the things that we have. God has blessed us tremendously with a lot of things. And sometimes we're not thankful enough and we forget to thank God. But God has blessed us. The scripture here says, speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Many of you do that daily as you're you're walking around. Speaking to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. I hear some of you sometimes singing all the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at me in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Look with me here in verse 16. I had to throw this one in because I asked a little bit earlier uh, which one is better, the word or praise and worship. So I'll put this one in here. Listen to what it says. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. And so the scripture here tells us that we let the word of God dwell in us richly, but then he also tells us we're supposed to sing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as we sing and make melody in our hearts unto the Lord, being thankful unto him in all things. Amen. And so God is looking for us. Uh, He's looking for a people who will praise and worship him. And we praise and worship him out of an attitude of thankfulness because we're thankful that God has called us out of where we were, that God has delivered us and redeemed us. And I wonder, maybe some of you are are better than I was, but (laughs) I wonder where some of us would be today if God hadn't rescued us, if God hadn't reached down and redeemed us and lifted us out of the pit that we found ourselves in, I wonder where we would be. And I told you the story before that, you know, I wasn't too long saved when the Gardaí came to the house. And the, what they had said to me was that they said that within six months I'd either be dead or in jail um, if it wasn't for the grace of God. And, you know, we don't know where we would be apart from the grace of God, do we? Some of us probably wouldn't even be here today. <clears throat> And so the words praise and worship cover the whole of our response, of our love and our appreciation unto the Lord for the great things that he has done 
for us. And they sum up really our reason for living. Amen. <clears throat> Look with me in Isaiah 43 for a moment. <clears throat> Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. You notice we read over in First um, Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, and we'll come back to it again actually in a moment, but the scripture says we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Watch what he says here in Isaiah 43 and verse 21. It says, um, it says, This people have I formed for myself, and they shall show forth my praise. The word formed here is, um, it's in the Hebrew word, it's the word yatsar. And there's two words for, for to create in Hebrew. One is asa, and one is yatsar. And asa means to create something out of nothing, but yatsar means to create something out of something, and it uses the word formed here. But what the scripture is telling us is that when we were lost and we were without hope and without God in the world, that God took us and he formed us and he fashioned us into something for his own glory. And the reason he says for that is so that we should show forth his praise. Amen. And so God fashioned us a people unto himself. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's what God saved us for, that we might be a trophy unto his grace, that as we begin to praise and begin to worship and begin to magnify him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that it will become a testimony unto those around us of the, of the saving power and the keeping power of our God. Amen. Hallelujah. So why should we thank God? We should thank God for many reasons. We should thank God, firstly, for who he is. That he is the great creator. And you know what's interesting about that? And, and if you go back to just before or prior to you were saved. And I remember years ago when I was young and I used to sit out in the front of our house at night and look up at the stars. And as I looked up at the stars and you see just the, the vast array of, of all the stars and all the different things, and I used to think to myself, I wonder where God is. I wonder what he's at. I wonder what he's doing. And I always thought to myself, you know, God's away in some other part of the universe, um, you know, looking after something or doing something. But I never thought that God was close, that God was near. Do you understand? I always thought he was away somewhere else. I always thought that the universe was like a big sort of a wind-up toy that God wound it up and let it go and he was away off doing something else and this thing was just ticking down. But you know, the, the interesting thing about it is the reason why we praise God is even though our concept of God was like that, now we have a God who has come near. Now we have a God who has come down, a God who has become personal to us, a God that we can have relationship with. And you know, God, in a sense, didn't need to reveal himself to us in that way, but he chose to. And he chose to become known to you and I. And if you think of, you know, the vastness of the creation of God, and it's far more vast than any of us can comprehend. You know, we think about the, the size of the universe, and the uni universe is still expanding at the speed of light, and that's beyond our comprehension. But you know, the God who created all that came and made himself known to you and I. 
and we can have relationship with him and we can sit and talk to him and he's interested in what's going on in our lives and we know even sometimes when you know we get words of knowledge and we get words of prophecy and somebody calls you out by name and says thus saith the Lord and he speaks to you imagine the God of the universe would take the time to give somebody a word give somebody a message for you the God of the universe would take the time to come and, ki- come and give revelation to you. When you get revelation from the word, that's God himself drawn alongside of you and giving you revelation. That is awesome. And God is worthy to be praised. Amen. I remember hearing a story one time about the vastness of space. And it was one of these uh, preachers, I'll not mention his name, but um, he was invited to go and speak in um, one of the big universities. I think it was in Orlando, Florida. And um, when he went to speak in this university, he went to speak to this, it was a science class. And they said that they wanted to talk to a preacher or a pastor or whatever. And so he went to this thing and he said when he got into this auditorium, this was in one of the big universities in Orlando, Florida. And he says when he got in, there was a little small kind of a circle in the front. And then he said there was rows and rows of chairs. He said up as far as the eye could see. And he said it was, it was huge. And it was filled with all these faces and all these students. And he thought, I'm going to get a chance to share with these people about God. But he says what he didn't realize was that it was a setup. Because these were all scientists, training to be scientists. And they actually brought him to destroy him. They brought him to um, tear strips off him about, you know, um, um, the Big Bang Theory and all the rest of it. And here's this little preacher standing down in this little circle and all these rows and rows of chairs. But they were all anti-God per se. And so he said to them, um, somebody got a question. And this fella said, yeah, I've got a question. He says, I don't understand God. He says, you talk about this God. He said, I don't understand God. And your man says, well, let me start by saying this. He said, I don't understand science. And he says, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, he says, we talk about the vastness of space. And he says, you know, how close is the closest star? And the guy says, you know, 19 billion light years away. And he says, you see, that's what I'm talking about. He said, that's beyond my comprehension. I don't understand what 19 billion light years is. So the guy says, well, he said, let me explain it to you this way. He said, if you could travel at the speed of light for a year, that's a light year. And so the closest planet is 19 billion of those away. And your man says, right, I can understand that. He says, well, what does that planet look like? And your man said, well, it's just really like a a pinprick um, in the fabric of the universe. Just like a tiny pinprick. And the guy says, well, if I was over on that planet looking back here, he said, what would I see? Would it be just like a pinprick? And he says, no, the earth is so small compared to all these other planets. He said, if you were over there, he says, you might not even see it. He said, it would just be the tiniest little, just tiniest little pinprick of light. And he says, you see, this is what I don't understand, he says. You're telling me that you don't understand God. And he says, we're floating around in this universe. He said, we're just a tiny little pinprick. And you're just a tiny little pinprick on a little pinprick. And you're telling me you don't understand God. He said, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but the point being, that's all we are, really. We're just a like, little tiny pinprick on a little tiny pinprick. But the God of the universe has decided in his own wisdom, in his own um, love or whatever, he decided that he was going to come down and make himself known to you. That he was going to call you by name. And the scripture says that our very names are written on the palm of his hand. Our God is worthy to be praised. Amen. He is a great God. Where was I? Oh yeah. <laughs> we just want to thank God firstly. We, or we praise God firstly because of who he is. Because he decided in his wisdom, his infinite wisdom, that he was going to reveal himself to you and I. 
But you know, we also thank him for what he has done for us. Not alone do we know him, um, but he has come and made himself known to us in a very real way through Jesus. He gave his life for us. And you know, I often think about, um, I wonder what it would have been like, you know, here's God and he created this creation. And right back in the very beginning, and God goes through the stages, he goes through the days of creation, and on day one he saw everything that was very good, and on day two he saw everything that was very good, and he gets to day seven, and the scripture says God rested, and he looked back at everything he created, and behold, it was very good. And then, just shortly afterwards, Adam and Eve sinned and plunged the whole world under sin, and and sickness and disease, and everything comes into the planet because of it. And you know, I don't know if it was you or I, we would have just went... I've had enough of them. But you know what God did? Immediately God stepped in and said, you know what? I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to redeem them back to myself. And not alone did God create us. Not alone did he make himself known to us. But even when we sinned and we got away from God, God said, I'm going to send my son who's going to die on the cross to save you so that you can have right relationship with me, that you can be in heaven with me. And so we praise God not alone for who he is, but we praise God for what he has done for us. And then we can take it a step further. Not alone do we praise him for who he is and what he has done for us, but we praise him for the things that he gives us um, on a daily basis, for health and strength and daily food, for, for our finances and for our nice houses, and even the fact that we live in a country like this. And we had this guy here a few weeks ago, and he talked about um, the persecuted church, and he talked about the different people, um, different Christian groups around the world who are being been uh, persecuted daily, being brought out and crucified, um, being set on fire and all these different kinds of things, throwing acid in their faces. And you know, the very fact that God um, had us born on this planet or on this um, island, in this day, in this generation where we have the freedom to worship God any way we want, we should thank God for that. Thank God for all the things that he has freely given to us. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we always need to have a thankful heart towards God, who has done so much for us. And Paul encourages us. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me just say it again, he said, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. So what is praise? Well, praise, firstly, is recognizing God and recognizing who he is. Look with me in First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles chapter 29. And you know, one of the interesting things, one of the, the, the characters I love the most in the Bible is David. I love to look at the life of David. And David's a real unusual character because um, he, he, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And you know, one of the things that David did was he, he had it in his heart that he wanted to build a temple unto the Lord. He wanted to build a house, a dwelling place for the Lord where he could put the Ark of the Covenant because at that time the Ark of the Covenant lived in a tent. And David was living in his big palace and as he was living in the palace, David said, is it right for me to live in a palace? And God's presence, which was the Ark of the Covenant, um, was living in a tent, in a tabernacle. And, God, and David decided, you know what I want to do? I want to build a house for God. And so he went to God one day, it was actually through, I think it was Nathan, Nathan the prophet, I'm not sure, um, I think it was Nathan, but he went to Nathan the prophet and he said to him, you know, is it okay for me to build a house for God? 
And Nathan said, yep, go and do what's all that's in your heart to do. And as the prophet went out, as he was walking across the yard, God spoke to him and said, go back and tell David he's not to build me a house. Because David is a bloody man. Because David has murdered lots and lots of people. Tell him because he's a man of war, he can't build a house for me. But I want his son to build a house for me instead because he will be a man of peace. So Nathan turned around and he went back into David. He said, "Ah, David, by the way, he said, the Spirit of God just spoke to me and said, you're not to build me a house. Because you're a man of war, because you're a bloody man. But your son will build me a house. But you know what David did? David rejoiced. Many of you would be angry. Many of you would storm out and go, well, I said, I have enough. You're not building a house for God. But David rejoiced. And listen to what happened here. In, um, let's look at verse 1 first. Um, second, uh, sorry, First Chronicles 29, verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son... Whom alone God hath chosen is yet young and tender, and the work is great for the palace. Um, the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the brass for the things of brass. Or basically, what David was saying here is, even though God said, I'm not allowed to build him a house, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that because my son Solomon is young and tender in years, I'm going to make sure that when it comes time for him to build a house, everything is going to be there. And David began to gather up all the gold and all the silver and all the brass for the things of brass and gathered up all the things and his whole uh, thought being that when Solomon is old enough to build a temple everything will be there he can just go ahead and build it what kind of an attitude was that that was a powerful attitude but let's look down with me in verse 10 it says wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation and David says blessed be thou Lord God of Israel our father forever and ever thine O Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. And you know those verses there are packed you would do well sometimes. You know, I, I was looking at this for the last few days and a couple of times during the day I just took those verses of Scripture and just prayed them myself to God. And just uh, it's just packed with, with um, just praise to God. Listen to it again. He said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee, and we praise thy glorious name. And you know, David was able to praise and magnify God, even after God said to him, you're not the one to build me a temple. You know what, David just went ahead and praised God anyway. Many of you, if you had got news like that, where God said, I'm not allowing you to build a house, many of you would throw the head up and go, that's it. I'm fed up with this. I'm away. But not David. David began to worship God. Amen. And so he worshipped God um, for who he is or recognized who he is. Next thing we need to do is acknowledge God for what he has done. Look with me in Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25. Verse 1, it says, O Lord, 
Thou art my God. Many of you here can say that he is my God. Oh Lord, thou art my God. You know, I look back at the Israel's first king, King Saul. Saul made a lot of mistakes in his life. But one of the things that you find with Saul is that whenever Samuel the prophet spoke to Saul, Saul never called God his God. Every time Saul spoke to Samuel, he always said to Samuel, the Lord, your God. Never ever called him the Lord, my God. But you know, we have a relationship with God and we can call him my God. O Lord, thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old, and faithfulness, and truth. And our God has done wonderful things, hasn't he? He's done wonderful things in us and for us and on our behalf. Amen. Our God is a great God. So we acknowledge God for all he has done. And the the third thing we need to do is honor God. This is a real interesting one. Look with me here in the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel. You'll find that um, Ezekiel, Daniel. After the book of Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel um, here was down in Babylon. And one of the, the kings, Daniel served under four kings. And one of them was called Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, the scripture tells us that these guys were actually set up by God. That God had put them in place. And he put them in place for a reason. And back in those days, God was bringing um, judgment on the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel had strayed from God and he set up these kings. But Nebuchadnezzar um, set himself up as a self-made man. And when he set himself up as a self-made man, Daniel came with a prophecy for Nebuchadnezzar and he said to him, if you don't repent, God says you're going to lose your mind. And that you're going to go and spend seven years living out under the stars eating grass like an animal and the dew of heaven is going to wet you every evening until you repent and turn back to God and Nebuchadnezzar got angry and started to talk about how great he was that he was a self-made man and he didn't need anyone and didn't need any God but you know what happened to him scripture says he lost his mind and he spent seven years living um, in the field eating grass like a, an ox and the Jew wet him every night but look with me here down in verse 34 verse 34 and at the end of the days I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me and I blessed the most high and I praised and honored him that lives forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counsellors and my Lord sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honour the King of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride he is able to 
abased or bring low. And so uh, praise honors God. And you know what happened with Nebuchadnezzar was he refused to praise God. And God humbled him. And God brought him through that whole season. And it, the scripture says that if he repented, that he would be returned. And the whole thing was, God didn't bring the judgment on him in a sense. God said to him, if you acknowledge me as your source, you won't have to go through this. He says, no, I'm not doing it. And so what happened was the judgment came on him. He went through that judgment for seven years. But just as God said, when he repented, when he lifted up his eyes to heaven and acknowledged God, God restored him. And the scripture says that God restored him with more greatness, with more brightness than he ever had. But you know who he thanked for it? God. You know what was interesting about that? And this is something that we need to understand. Was Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And he refused to bow his knee to God. And God humbled him. But when Nebuchadnezzar repented, God put him back into the same position again. Put him back as king. Gave him more glory, more honor. But this time he did it under God. Amen. And so praise is honoring God. I want to talk for a few minutes about what the power of praise can do. I wonder how much time have we got left because I've got loads of stuff here. Praise firstly gets our focus off of ourselves and back where it should be on God and you know the generation that we live in we live in a selfie generation how many of you here take selfies don't put your hands up we live in a selfie generation don't we always taking selfies and all these different things but you know when we do that we're putting the emphasis on us instead of on him and you know praise gets our focus off of ourselves and back on God and we need a constant reminder that life is not about us You see, we think sometimes that we are the center of our own universe. And the reality of it is we're not. He is the center of our universe, or at least he should be. And we know this in our heads, but our hearts so often think differently. We know it in our heads, but our hearts think differently. But he is worthy of our praise, no matter what we face from day to day. Amen. talks about over in uh, Psalm 150. Let me just read it to you. Psalm 150. We're going to spend a bit of time maybe in the book of Psalms because there's loads of scriptures here that we're going to look at. Um, the book of Psalms is actually was known as the, the praise book of Israel. It was all their praise. It was the praise book of Israel. But in Psalm 150, in verse 2, speaking of God, it says, Praise him for his mighty acts and praise him according to his excellent greatness. And you see, when we start to praise God, what it does is it takes the emphasis off of us and it puts the emphasis back where it's supposed to be, back on him. Because he's the one who is worthy to be praised. And we talked about earlier, none of us are self-made. We, we have this thinking sometimes that we're self-made people, but we're not. And you know, Nebuchadnezzar, that was his big problem. He thought he was self-made, but God had to humble him and bring him back into line. But when he came back into line, God exalted him again and gave him even a better position. But he came back into that position, recognized that God was the one who made him and not him himself. Amen. Um, Over in Psalm 145 verse 3, I'll just read it to you. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable or his greatness is without measure. It's unmeasurable. It's unfathomable. The greatness of God. Another thing that praise does is it brings us to a place of humility. Brings us to a place of humility. Because it reminds us that our dependency is on God and should always be on God. And it's humbling sometimes where, and you know, I wonder if you've ever gone through some stuff 
and you've tried as much as you can in your own strength and you've tried to do it your own way and no matter what you try and do it doesn't seem to work out for you but you know what what praise does it brings us back into dependency upon God and it shows us that we're that we can't do things ourselves that we need his power and his strength to do it amen and so praise brings us to a place of humility reminds us that our dependency is on God and as we acknowledge our need of him as our creator as king of this world we admit and we recognize that we're not in control that he's the one who is in control amen and we've got to get into line behind him in Psalm 95 and verse 2 I'm just going to read it to you for time's sake it says let us come into his presence with thanksgiving let us make a joyful noise unto him with songs of praise for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. You know one of the things that, that praise does as well. Is praise makes the enemy flee. Praise makes the enemy flee. You know why praise makes the enemy flee? But, well several reasons for it. But one of the reasons is firstly because the enemy hates God. Satan he hates God. And you know I don't know how true this is per se. Because there's only really one verse in the Bible that supports this. But um, it's said that Satan used to be the praise leader in heaven, the praise and worship leader, or Lucifer as he was known back then, was the praise and worship leader in heaven. And he wanted the praise and the worship for himself. And so he hated when the praise and worship went to God. And he can't stand to be around it because he can't stand to hear God being praised. And you know, whenever we begin to praise God, praise routes the enemy. Amen. Praise routes the enemy. Um, look with me in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. See, the enemy can't stick around when we're praising God because he can't stand it. And we're going to read this story here. This is the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, not, not Marathat, Jehoshaphat. We <laughs> and we see how God miraculously defeats his enemy because of the people's obedience to praise God. Look with me in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And the scripture here tells us that um, all these armies, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, had come up against Israel. And Israel wasn't strong enough to combat and to defeat um, these three armies. There was actually other armies that came with them as well. They had brought other armies with them. And they weren't strong enough to defeat them. But you know what they did? You know what they did? They acknowledged first that their dependency was on God. They knew they couldn't do it themselves. And so they acknowledged their dependency was on God. That was that humility where they humbled themselves before God. Look with me down in verse um, 22. And God told them um, to send the praisers out first. He says, put the praisers out in front. That's always a, probably a scary time in, uh, when you come to a time of battle because you would imagine you would put the praisers at the back and you would put the ones with the swords and the shields out in front wouldn't you but God said put the praisers out in front in other words there's some battles that we come to that we don't fight them with um, with natural weapons but we fight them with spiritual weapons and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and what they are is praise and worship and it tells us here in verse 22 it says, when they began to sing and to praise, that the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah 
and they were smitten. And you see what happened here was um, these armies were coming up against Israel. Israel repented before God. They got on their knees before God. Jehoshaphat set a fast and they began to seek God. They humbled themselves under the hand of God and they said to God, tell us how we can rout the enemy. Tell us how we can defeat the enemy. And God says, I'll tell you what you do. Get the praise and worship team and put them out in front. And as the praise and worship team went out and the army came behind them, the scripture says that what happened was they went out between the mulberry trees. And as they began to sing and as they began to praise, it says that the enemy heard the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees. And they thought that Jehoshaphat had, had um, hired a big army against them and they began to flee. They began to run from this army that was against them and there was no army. The Bible says the wicked flee when no one, perish, or when no one pursues. And so what they did was they started to flee. And as they started to flee, they thought they were being chased. So every man drew his sword and began to lash out with his sword. And what they did was they destroyed each other. And you know, um, Israel never had to lift a hand per se, but they did have to lift their voice. They did have to sing unto God. They did have to enter into that uh, time of praise and worship. And when they did that, God routed their enemy. Amen. So when we praise and worship God, the enemy has to flee. Praise then also leaves no room for negativity because many of you know that when you've got praise in your mouth, um, you, you can't be negative. You can't be talking about negative stuff when you're exalting God, when you're lifting up the name of God, when you're magnifying the name of God. And it tells us over in Psalm 103, uh, verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, um, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he goes on to list benefits of serving God. It says who... Uh, actually, look with me there, because we're going to read a few verses. Psalm 103. I want you to see them. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities. Many of you are glad all your iniquities are forgiven. That's a reason to praise God. Then the scripture says he heals all your diseases. Another great reason to praise God. Verse 4, who redeems thy life from destruction. He redeems thy life from destruction. And redeem means to buy back. And you know, many of us were on a path to destruction but you know what God did? God redeemed us from it. God saved us from it. Like I said earlier, many of us, I don't know where we would be if God hadn't redeemed us, but he, he redeemed our life from destruction. And I think there's going to be time even when we're in heaven where, you know, even verses like this, we'll say, God, you know, what were the things that you redeemed me from? And God will have this big cinema screen. He'll go, have a look at this. <laughs> it's a bit like this is your life. And he'll show you all the different times maybe where you should have had accidents maybe or different things that should have went on in your life that God preserved you from. He redeems our life from destruction. Then the scripture says he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. He crowns us. You know that we have a crown tonight called the loving kindness and the tender mercy of, of our God. And you know... Um, because of our sin, every one of us deserve eternal damnation and eternal punishment. But instead, God has washed us, he has cleansed us, he has redeemed us. And what he has done instead is he has crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. 
He doesn't look on us after our sin. He doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve. What he does instead is he treats us with loving kindness and tender mercy. Many of you think God is worthy to be praised. Well, let me say this. I shouldn't have said that because it doesn't matter whether we think he is or not. He is. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I'll repent of that one later. Um, praise makes room for God's blessing over our lives. You know, the scripture tells us over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know, God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Scripture tells us over in in Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, the scripture says that all things pertaining to life and godliness are ours in abundance through the knowledge of him. And you see, when we begin to praise and worship God, it opens the door for blessing. Allows the blessing of God to come into our lives and come upon us. Amen. Praise invites his presence. Praise invites his presence. And God dwells close to us when we praise him. I wonder how many of you, um, whenever when you're in the presence of God, when you're in the place of praise and worship and you just lift your hands and you can feel that sweet presence of God. Sometimes as you're standing there worshiping and the tears just start to come and you know that you're in the presence of God. And there's times that the presence of God is so real and so thick and so abiding even. And there's times when you're there in the presence of God and his presence is so real to you that you actually feel, if I open my eyes, I'll be looking straight into the face of Jesus. That's what praise does. It brings down the presence of God. The scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Scripture says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, when we get into that place of praise, just that sweet presence of God comes down. Amen. And there's nothing like it. There's no place else on the, on the planet that we would rather be. Our, our spirits are refreshed and renewed in the presence of God. And we're strengthened by his peace and refueled by his joy. You know, the scripture talks about over in um, Nehemiah chapter 8. The scripture says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we get into that sweet presence of, of God and the joy of the Lord comes upon us, that's our strength. That's where we get our strength from. Amen. Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 63 verses 3 and 4 says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. Hallelujah. You know, praise paves the way for God's power to be displayed with signs and wonders and miracles. Praise paves the way. That's the reason why we have praise and worship sometimes, you know, in our services, because praise paves the way for God, for God to move, for God to speak. That's why we have healing lines. That's why we have people given given words of knowledge and words of prophecy. Because when we get into that place where we get into the praise and worship of God, it creates an atmosphere where God can move, where God can speak, and where God can do things. Amen. And if you remember the story over in Acts chapter 16, if you want to turn there real quickly. Acts chapter 16. Just a few more scriptures. Acts chapter 16. And this is the story here of Silas and Paul when they were in Philippi and they had been arrested and brought and they were put in the stocks and as they were put in the stocks um, they, they had come actually and they had beaten them 
and put them in the stocks. And as they were beaten and put in the stocks, the Bible says that their backs were torn open. But it says at midnight that Paul and Silas began to sing praises to God. Many of you think you could sing praises to God when your backs laid open like that, had been whipped and lashed or whatever. Look with me here in Acts chapter 16 and we'll read from verse 25. It says, um, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And you see, what happens is praise creates an atmosphere for God to move. Praise creates an atmosphere where God is able to speak, where God is able to do the supernatural, where God comes and gets involved in what we're doing. Praise creates that atmosphere. You know, um, when we talk about this, this is in the natural per se. This is something that happens in the natural. But you know what? This is a type of something. Because uh, Paul and Silas here, when they were in the prison... Um, you know, some of us are in prisons, but it's not a prison, a natural prison. Sometimes it can be a prison in our mind, where we're being held by, by depression, where we're being held by, you know, different things that are going on in our lives. But you know, praise breaks the power of that. Praise breaks the power of it. And um, over in, in Isaiah 61 and verse 3, and um, let me just quote it to you first. It says, He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that we might be trees, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And let me explain that to you. Um, when I got saved first, um, before I got saved, um, I suffered a lot from depression, lived in, you know, had a, a, a bad upbringing or whatever, whatever way you want to call it, and suffered a lot from depression. And after I got saved, I still suffered from depression. And I remember one time I was, I was working in this uh, factory. And when I was working there, um, there was one particular day actually, the director of the factory called me in. And he said to me, Mike, you're going to have a nervous breakdown. And it was that bad. I was that under that much pressure. I used to have pins in my hands. And sometimes I used to look down at my hands and I used to have nail prints in the palms of my hands from squeezing my, my hands. And my, I used to, my whole jaw and my neck used to be sore because I used to clench my teeth all the time just under pressure and and, you know when you're a Christian you think you know I've got it all made you know I'm a Christian now and this this director of the factory called me and he says Mike you're going to have a nervous breakdown you need to go and see somebody and I was disgusted I'm a Christian you know how, how can you say that to me but I went out and I began to seek God and as I began to seek God God gave me that verse of scripture in Isaiah 61, verse 3, he gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. But the part he gave me was the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, or basically the garment of praise for depression. And so I went up the factory, and I went up to the top end of the factory where nobody was, and I just lifted my hands, and I began to worship God up at the top of the factory, and I began to magnify his name. Father, I just thank you that you were a great God, and I began to thank him. And I stayed up there for 10 or 15 minutes, or whatever it was, and when I turned around and came back down, the guys in the factory said to me, Mike, what happened to you? They said, when you went up that factory, you were depressed. You're coming back down, you're full of joy. And I didn't tell them what happened to me, but I knew what happened to me. Because God gave me the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. 
And sometimes when we find ourselves with heaviness and depression coming on us, and you know it's the hardest thing to do is to praise God in a situation like that. But the scripture talks about over in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, the scripture says that we bring a sacrifice of praise. You know what a sacrifice is? A sacrifice is something that costs you something. A sacrifice sometimes is something that hurts. If I give this, it's going to hurt. And sometimes we find ourselves in, in positions where there's things going on in our lives. And you know, Paul and Silas here, I'm sure it was a sacrifice of praise to them. Here they were, their backs were laying open from the beating that they got. And here they were in prison with their feet in the stocks. The fact that they were in prison with their feet in the stocks probably meant they were going to be executed the next day. And I wonder if they felt like praising God. And I guarantee you they didn't. But you know what they did instead? They brought to God a sacrifice of praise. And when they brought to God that sacrifice of praise, the the sacrifice of praise is for a spirit of heaviness, began to lift their spirits, but it created an atmosphere where, where God was able to move. And the Bible says that their chains fell off, the doors were opened, and they were set free. And that's the same uh, for me that time with that depression. God just broke it. And you know, I never suffered depression after that night. Up there, I never suffered depression after it because God broke it off me. Amen. And so it creates an atmosphere where God can move. And then praise attracts God's presence. Praise attracts God's presence. Whenever we praise, you know what? God shows up. Whenever we praise, God shows up. Let me just say that. You see, if we get into a position where we're all here and we're lifting our hands and we're worshipping God and we're singing our hearts out to God, you think God's not going to show up? God said, I need to come down. I had to come down because, you know what, the scripture says God seeks people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if we're here worshiping him in spirit and truth, guess what? He's going to show up. Praise attracts the presence of God. Let me show you one last verse. Look with me in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. And this here is a follow-on from, do you remember we talked about um, David? When David uh, wasn't allowed to build a temple... And so what he did was he began to lay aside all the treasures and everything that he needed to build a temple. And David began to praise God because he wasn't allowed to build a temple. But then a little bit later, when everything was ready, Solomon built the temple. And listen to what happened when Solomon dedicated, he dedicated in chapter 6. But look what happened in chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And if you go back and look at chapter 6. Um, uh, it was Solomon's prayer. As he prayed and dedicated the house to the Lord. But you know it says when he made an end of praying. Do you know what happened? It says the presence of God came down consumed the burnt offering and it says even the priest couldn't stand to minister because of the presence of God. How many of you would like days like that? We need days like that. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take every one of us uh, being in unity in a sense. I'm not talking about unity but being in, in unity in our worship. Because what happens sometimes is we just don't understand praise and worship and we come in and we sit down and we think, you know, this is just singing. This is not singing. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create an atmosphere where God shows up. We're trying to create an atmosphere for the miraculous. We're trying to create an atmosphere where the sweet presence of God comes down and everybody gets ministered to. But it's going to take every one of us entering into that place of praise and worship together. Amen. 
And what happens so often sometimes with praise and worship when we come in, we spend too much time looking around and we're wondering what's he doing and what's she doing and what color is that and, you know, did they get the songs right and did they get the... Forget all that stuff. Come in and lift your, heart, your hands and your heart in abandonment to God and just watch what God will do. Forget all the peripheral stuff. Forget who's here. Forget what they're doing or what he's doing and he's on his knees and they're sitting down and who cares? Do you know what? Make it a, 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 a decision that the next time we come to church that I'm just going to lift my ha- heart and my hands in abandonment to him and create an atmosphere where the Spirit of God comes. Create an atmosphere where the Spirit of God wants to come and do something real and something mighty. And let's believe God for days like this where the Spirit of God shows up and we're all just knocked out on the floor and nobody does anything. Amen. Mike didn't even get to preach this morning. Who cares? The Spirit of God just moved through this place. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah.